Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. You know, what the heck are we going to call this? It's footnotes. Do we just call it notes? Because there's no foot. Kevin Foote's not with us uh, today and won't be with us for a good part of next week. Um, he is uh, somewhere, I'm sure right now, still somewhere in route between here and uh, Anchorage or whatever port out of Alaska that they're going out of. I took one of those cruises uh, a few years ago, and it was thoroughly enjoyable. So I'm glad he's getting to take that Alaska cruise. But uh, filling in for Kevin Foote, I'm Dan McDonald. I'll be with you today during the uh, during the next two hours here on 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. But um, I could start spouting out some of my opinions, but I would much rather hear all of your opinions on the game hotline, 337-706-0111 is the place that you can call in where we can talk about whatever you'd like to talk about. I do have some some topics that I do want to talk about before before this two hours is over when we will be uh, having a couple of guests coming in to talk about some of those subjects. But a reminder, you can also hear in Acadian, you can watch us on the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and on 133, the channel on LUS Fiber. In, uh, our, in our very next segment, we're going to have Danny Jones come on, the uh, executive director of the Chittimacha Louisiana Open, and we're going to talk about the what's going on in the world of professional golf right now and how it relates locally because, uh, obviously, the Chittimacha Louisiana Open is part of the PGA Tour, and the PGA Tour is under some, uh, some scrutiny now. They're under some, uh, some turmoil with the uh, beginning of play of the new LIV Golf Tour that is sponsored by the Saudi Arabian government. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. And later on and during the next hour, we're going to have Anthony Babineau hoping to get the Cajun baseball longtime assistant coach and now director of the uh the baseball operation to come on and talk about uh some of the super regionals that will be kicking off in fact the first of those super regionals gets going i believe about the time we go off the air yeah about 11 a.m this morning uh that very first regional where texas is uh visiting east carolina that's 11 o'clock our time on espn2 and uh, a big weekend of super regional baseball but before we do that i do want to talk some about the the liv golf tour and i know that's a subject that a lot of people around here they probably don't have a lot of uh people who don't follow golf don't uh, follow it a lot they're they're not maybe following what is going on right now the liv tour is uh basically a tour that is being put on by the uh by the fund that um that basically uh, the Saudi Arabian government is putting on. There's a ton of money out there, and they have thrown it at a lot of players, and some of the players have taken the money, and uh, some more, some very prominent players, Dustin Johnson being among them, Phil Mickelson, uh, several others. It was just announced in the last uh, couple of days that Bryson DeChambeau and Patrick Reed, Patrick Reed, of course, has Louisiana Connections, former played at University High in Baton Rouge, 
they have that connection as far as uh, a, a player who has some Louisiana connection. They have announced that they're going to take part in the LIV tour, PGA tour, uh, as they as expected and as they said that they would do. They suspended all those players, so there's going to be some some back and forth there, and it is it is a uh, it's a hot subject in the world of professional golf right now. Uh, I I have definite opinions about whether these players are are doing the right thing um financially they are doing the right thing for themselves uh i went back and looked up some numbers um and i did it with dustin johnson dustin johnson's been playing professional golf for about 15 years he's amassed about in official winnings about 75 million dollars in those 15 years now that you know that's that's hard numbers for a lot of us to really fathom uh you know that comes out to about five million bucks a year. Hey, that's 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 pretty good income, but that's over his fifteen-year career. He's got about seventy-five million dollars in official winnings. He was paid a hundred and twenty million dollars to go and join the LIV tour. Now that is, um, you know, that's that's more than he'd made in the fifteen years of his career. And he was paid that just to go and join this tour. Phil Mickelson uh, went back and checked his numbers over the course of his career. And it's an even longer career than Johnson's uh, about $92 million in career earnings over all the time that Phil Mickelson has been a professional golfer. And that's probably over about 30 years. Um, and that's official earnings on the PGA tour. Um, he was paid reportedly, by the uh by the Saudis uh two hundred million dollars more than twice what he had made in his career combined um it's hard to look at those numbers and say these guys are doing the wrong thing when you look at it from just strictly a dollars and cents viewpoint um but you've got to look at where the money came from. Uh, I, I, I want to quote a, uh, a capsule description um, from the, uh, the Human Rights Watch. It said that Saudi Arabia spends billions of dollars hosting major entertainment, cultural, and sporting events as a deliberate strategy to deflect from the country's image as a human rights violator. Uh, scores of human rights activists remain in prison or they remain on trial. There's a well-documented uh, uh, instance of the murder of a Saudi journalist, uh, Jamal Kasagi of the Washington post. Um, this, is, this is blood money that these players are taking. And if you don't mind where it's coming from, you know, that's fine. Um, I mind, I mind where this money's coming from. Uh, these, these guys have, uh, have used golf and, and they've been great for golf, but they've also used golf to their own benefit. Um, and this is just, you know, golf is supposed to be the, the gentleman's sport. It's supposed to be the, the sport that's above all of this. And obviously it's not right now. But uh, I know that Danny Jones, uh, when we have him on in a little while, is going to have more to, to talk about on that subject uh, and how it can affect locally because it can affect locally uh, because the Chittimacha Louisiana Open, which is right here in Acadiana, is an event, and I think it's an underappreciated event uh, in this area because of what it does. 
um, I think that uh, it this can have a this could potentially have a trickle down effect because it is part of the PGA Tour, and in one way or another, this is going to affect how the PGA Tour operates. Uh, this this incarnation of this new tour, and it's not going away. Um, the money is already there. Nobody can outbid uh, this group with the money that they're throwing in there. There was a report that uh, the LIV Tour, you know, they tried to go and get the, the biggest name in golf, and that's Tiger Woods. They apparently threw him money in, in an attempt to get him to become part of this tour. And Greg Norman said this himself. Greg Norman, a longtime professional himself, uh, two-time major winner, uh, and he is the commissioner of this tour. Um, he said himself that they threw an offer at Tiger Woods, and his his comment was it was in the high nine digits. Uh, if that is correct, that is somewhere north of $500 million, probably maybe close to a billion. Nobody has that – nobody else has that kind of – of uh of money to throw around so you know but you know it it amounts to what they're doing is it's it's something they they've coined a term for it the term is sports washing and they are using sport to to cover up the uh the uh the human rights violations that you know are have apparently been prevalent and so forth and there was a columnist and uh, and i wish i had it in front of me who uh, said, you know, this is this is very little different than what Nazi Germany did in 1936 for the Olympics, trying to use the Olympics to cover up their violations. You know, and, you know, the same thing in 1980 and 1984 when the Soviet Union uh, had, the, uh, had the Olympics in 1980 that was boycotted by the United States and several other countries. And to an extent, we have to be honest, something that was used by the United States Olympic Committee in 1984. They used that also. Maybe not on this extent, but they used it to sort of, you know, show that, you know, our, our system works. Um, the, the Saudis are doing the same thing right now with pro golf. They're trying to hijack pro golf. And, you know, so far they've got some of the name players. They started their, their tour yesterday in, um, in London. Uh, Charles Schwartzel is the leader. He's a guy that's familiar name to a lot of people who follow pro golf. Uh, it's, it's being held opposite the, uh, the Canadian open, which is going on, which is the PGA tour stop this weekend. And it's being held opposite that. And it's a shame for the Canadian open because a lot of the people are looking at the, uh, the upstart and that, you know, that was to be expected to see what, you know, what's going to happen there. But, you know they have a tour going now, and uh, we'll uh, you know whether you know whether whether you agree with many of the things that they're doing. The uh, you know you know myself, I I don't uh, I don't agree with it. I hope the players you know do realize that what they're supporting they're supporting a, a regime that you know is uh, is so far behind. They're in the medieval times as far as women's rights. They're in the medieval times as far as the rights of a uh, gay and lesbian community and so forth. Uh, it's a, uh, it's, it's a crime in Saudi Arabia to have a, to be a part of that group. And we've seen, you know, that, uh, they do not, you know, they, they don't respect, uh, the half of the population that, uh, that, that identifies as female. 
um, it, it's just, uh, you know, you know, Phil Nicholson himself admitted he, he called them some scary MFs as far as their horrible record on human rights. But then when it all came to it, you know, Phil took the money. He took the $200 million, and now he's a part of that tour. Uh, we're going to talk to Danny Jones when we come back and, uh, and have a chance to uh, see what that will do as far as our, uh, any effect it will have locally. Uh, we hope it won't, but it well could. Danny's the most, uh, most knowledgeable guy on pro golf that I know locally. So we'll be talking to him when we come back. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 104 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Here on Footnotes, you may not always exactly hear what you want to hear, but you will hear what you need. And, of course, I got all these, oh, you're an idiot. And, you know, what kind of safe fan are you? Look, I'm not telling you what I want to happen. I'm telling you what's going to happen, what more than likely is going to happen. Back to more of the sports talk you need to listen to with footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Notes. Yes, it should be footnotes, but there is no foot. There, there, there is no foot in the studio today. Kevin Foot, our your normal host, obviously, is somewhere. I don't know if he's on a big boat yet. He's probably let's see it's it's uh 9 15 here no he's not on big boat yet he's uh it's probably it's it's 5 15 a.m in anchorage so he's probably not getting on big boat yet but he's going to be getting on big boat later today and taking a taking a nice cruise around some of the great stops and and it is uh you know i say he's in anchorage he might be it's a two-way thing you can either get on at either seattle or vancouver and take it north and wind up and do the Alaska ports and so forth. Or you can start in Anchorage and work your way south. Uh, I, I don't know which way Kevin is. If I know him, he's uh, he's probably already cold, even though it's not that cold in Alaska this time of year. Let me tell you, it's just not. Uh, but uh, I'm Dan McDonald filling in for Kevin today, and uh, he'll have a, host, a series of guest hosts over the next several days until he returns when he can then regale us with stories. But just a reminder that uh, the game's birthday bash is your invitation to party with us as we celebrate 10 years of being Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Join us at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Caffrey, Wednesday, June 22nd. There'll be delicious wings, amazing door prices, appearance from your favorite 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles personalities. Those include Kevin. We assume that he will be back from Alaska by that time and didn't get lost in the wilderness somewhere or get eaten by one of those bears that are up or all they're all through there. And that includes crunch time with Miguez and mesh. They'll be broadcasting live from the party. So come join us at B dubs. That's what you call uh, Buffalo wild wings. If you're cool on Wednesday, June 22nd, five to nine for the game's 10th birthday bash. And a guy who is, um, a little bit of a familiar voice on the game. He's uh, the coach, the voice of uh, St. Uh, Thomas More football. That's his connection here. And he's also sat in the chair that I'm sitting in right now as a, a guest host in the past. Danny Jones, the director of the Chittimacha Louisiana Open. Danny, you there, and good morning. Good morning to you, Dan. How are you all this morning? 
Uh, I'm doing wonderful until I start reading all the stories about the LIV <laughs> golf tour. Uh, and it, uh, it, it, because I am a golf fan from way back and a golfer, not a very good golfer, but I do play, uh, it, it, it concerns me, uh, what's going on in the world of professional golf. And I wanted to get you to sort of get your, your feelings on, um, on what this is, uh, what this has done and what it has the potential to do to, um, you know, our, our, our professional golf playing field is all of a sudden in, in some turmoil right now. Yeah. You know, you look at it and this has been obviously years in the making of the Saudi regime that, that wanted to bring, you know, live golf and, you know, Greg Norman being the face of it as well documented. It is, you know, it's really turned into a reality show. Um, especially the past couple of few weeks, I'm, Look, I, I'm not a fan of it personally. You know, we're all entitled to our opinions. Um, I just wish these players that chose to, you know, jump ship or you know, not really jump ship, but make the decision to go play the uh, live golf tour, that they would just say, "Hey, look, we wanted to go for the money. The money's good and it's, or it's outstanding, and that's why we're going." Don't come up with the "it's better for my travel schedule" and "it's better for my family" because basically, you know, tell me you went for the money without telling me you went for the money. Um, and so, you know, I am kind of shocked by a few things. But, look, you know, can you really fault if the reports are true about Dustin Johnson and that he was given $125 million to basically play their tour? Now, if that's true, I don't, haven't seen anything that says how many years he had to commit to or whatever it may be. Um, but did they guarantee him 125? Or is that 125 plus any earnings he makes, or they'll pay him the difference based on his earnings? Who knows what the true stories are? We may never know. But the, the fact of, you know, if if he did, I think he's made like 75 million in his career earnings, and probably just as much off the course on endorsements and whatnot. And you know, look, you know, Dustin Johnson, you know, he hasn't uh, he hasn't played as well as he was playing, and so you know, you look at the. 48 people that are playing in London uh, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And, look, they're playing for $4 million first prize. Last place is 125000 you got some guys that are ranked over 1500 in the world. It's – look, I, I, obviously I'm affiliated with the PGA Tour. My, my, um, my loyalty is to the PGA Tour, but even as a, a fan of golf and somebody that's in the golf profession – Look, the PGA Tour, they, they drew their line in the sand way before earlier this week when they suspended the players. And, and I know a lot of people are saying, you know, this is like free agency and they're independent contractors and whatever it may be. Here's my opinion. The Tour let it be known before anybody did it what the possible ramifications may be. Fine, suspensions, banishment, whatever it may be, whoever, whoever left and went to play in London and whoever goes on to play in some of the other events, they went knowing they were running that risk, whatever that meant. And so they willingly took that chance. And, and look, Jay Monahan, like I said, drew his line in the sand, and he suspended these guys. And, you know, some of them resigned so they couldn't face banishments. But will they ever get their membership back? Will they ever play another PGA Tour event? Will they be able to play the Masters? Will they be able to play the British Open? Uh, we do know that they'll be able to play the U.S. Open. Um, 
And, you know, there's a lot to be seen and a lot to unfold. And, you know, look, I was kind of shocked that 100,000 people uh, watched yesterday on on YouTube. I think that was the the reported number. And then I sat back and I went, is that high or low? I don't really know. And and what will it be in six weeks, you know, on, on or yeah, that's a really good question. After the sixth event. You know, this is this is a fad. A lot of people watched the XFL right away and it went away. So I, I don't you know, is it is L I V golf here to stay? Dan, I don't know that answer. I and I don't think anybody knows that answer, but I know that you, you touched on one thing is that all of the U.S. TV networks, I mean, they stayed away from this in droves. They they looked at this and said, no, this is absolutely nothing that we want to be involved in whatsoever, uh, to, to their credit, because they, they realized, and I think that the the impact that it would have had and the blowback that they would get uh, was, you know, was something they absolutely didn't need. And, you know, I think a lot of the players, you know, y- you mentioned them being uh, – independent contractors, free agents, whatever you, you want to do. Well, you know, the guys that are getting this kind of guarantee money, you know, the, like Dustin Johnson and Phil Mickelson and so forth, and the numbers that are reported, well, you, you accept that. You're not a free agent anymore. You're not an, an independent contractor. You work for the Saudis. Absolutely. And that's, again, we'll, we'll never know what the agreements are. We'll never know what the monetary um, values of these commitments are, how long the commitments are for. And then, you know, the, here's the big thing. If, and look, it's not going to be because the Saudis run out of money. That's not going to be the issue. The issue is going to be how long do they pump, continue to pump money into this. And, and we all know there's plenty of money to do that. But, you know, there was a time where people said Vince McMahon had all the money in the world, too, to make the XFL go. And, it's, you know, I know that's the second reference I made to it, but the XFL was very gimmicky, um, and I kind of put it in line with that from the team format, the team format of LIV Golf and the shotgun. And, and so, how long will they continue to do it? And then, what happens to these? What happens to these guys after that? A really good question, and you know, I keep having the the image in my mind of some of these players. All of a sudden, what happens if you know one of these players? decides you know uh, you know maybe this isn't for me or somebody makes uh, a statement public statement that is uh, not complimentary to the liv tour uh, are they going to disappear like the uh, the 81 people this past march who vanished uh who were who were basically executed for quote protest related charges in saudi arabia you know are, is there going to be somebody come to their door and you know suddenly uh all this talk about being a free agent is uh, is is not so much there anymore. Well, you know, I, I, I've obviously tried to read it, you know, a lot just to to stay. One, I'm curious, um, you know, the different articles and the way this is going to go down and how the events are going to be played and how it's perceived. And look, there's <clears throat> there's a lot of people that are are pro. Let these players go do what they want. And there's a lot of people that are pro PGA Tour stance, and that's. You know, that's the great thing about America is we're all entitled to our opinions. And, and so I, I don't, <clears throat> again, it, it's not where I want golf to be, but somebody made an interesting point. I, I was, you know, reading the, the factual accounts of Twitter uh, earlier this week. <clears throat> and one person said, why can't they play both tours? And somebody in the golf business said, well, let's be honest. 
most players that, that get to truly pick their schedule are looking not to play 50 weeks out of the year. They're going to play 22 to, you know, 25 events plus four majors and take some time off. They're not going to play. So when you have, you know, LIV Golf, that's 12 events, and if there's a chance for them to play four majors, that's 16 events. There's really not an opportunity to truly play both events. And people say, well, why haven't they done this to the European Tour? Or, you know, what was the European Tour? And, you know, why are they doing it? Why do they let people play in other events? And give? why is the PGA Tour allowed players to be granted permission to play in other overseas events? The, the fact that I think a lot of people don't talk about it is LIV Golf Tour also, in addition to everything that I, I don't agree with, they're coming to the United States and having tournaments run simultaneously to compete with the PGA Tour. No other tour is doing that inside the, inside the U.S. You're exactly right. Uh, Danny, we need to take a break, but I, I'm going to break a rule right here. I'm going to ask you if you can to stick around during the break because I want to come back and talk about if there will be any local ramifications to all this. But we'll do that when we come back. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Com or 1041thegame.com. Are you fluent in footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. The cheaters. Cheaters. The famed hated rival that beat the New Orleans Saints and others so many times in the 80s and 90s by cheating. Also known as the San Francisco 49ers. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes. No, it's not back with Kevin. Kevin, somewhere between here and the uh, and the shores of Alaska right now on a cruise. Good for him. I'm Dan McDonald filling in for Kevin today on footnotes, or I guess it's just notes on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You can also watch us on the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and on 133 on LUS Fiber. And if you're watching us on the simulcast, you'll see that I grew during the the break i got a lot taller because i figured out how to raise the chair uh so just so you'll know in case you're watching i i got a, a lot taller right in front of your eyes and just a reminder uh that rescue fest is this saturday june 25th saturday june 25th at park international it's the day of live music featuring the sarah russo band jet seven layla laverne Hunter Corville, Cam Nelson. There will be plenty of food, games, and even a raffle. Rescue Fest is a fundraiser for the Rescue Group of Acadiana. That's a group that provides financial and emotional assistance to grieving families after a child loss. To buy tickets, go to Eventbrite or visit rescuegroup.org. I want to continue our conversation with Danny Jones, the executive director of the Chittimacha Louisiana Open, which... Uh, personally, I'll throw in the plug. I think is uh, an an unrecognized treasure in this area by a lot of people, and you know, it, it's uh, Kadiana's premier professional sports event. We hope you'll come out and get involved next March when it returns to La Triomphe Golf and Country Club. But we're talking about a different subject today, Danny. Uh, we've been talking about the new LIV Golf Tour that is sponsored by Saudi Arabia's 
public investment fund, uh, which basically they use that as public relations ploys, such as the LIV Golf Series, to cover up some things that are going on within that country. Um, and there's some conflict right now with the PGA Tour. You were just talking about that. And obviously, anything that affects the PGA Tour in some way, shape, or form will affect the Corn Ferry Tour, which is, of course, an arm of the PGA Tour and which the local event, the Chittimacha Louisiana Open every March, is a part. And, uh, Danny, I know it's very early, but uh, can you can you foresee anything right now that might have some type of trickle-down effect? Well, the, the, the most obvious, and, and I say this in a joking sense, is, you know, our, our back-to-back runner-up, Peter Uline, from 21 and 22, he finished runner-up in, in both years. I can guarantee you, if things stay the way they are, he will not be the runner-up next year because he made the decision to go play the LIV Golf Tour, so he, too, has been suspended from – his, or his PGA Tour membership has been suspended, you know, to be determined how that plays out over the next weeks, months, years, or, or, or decades, if you want to you go that far. Um, so I think it's probably too early to tell. And back to Peter Uline, that one's very interesting to me because of his family's connections with Titleist and the PGA Tour um, sponsorships and whatnot. So that's you know, that one was interesting to me when, when he decided to play the LIV Golf Tour. But, you know, my question is, there's some amateurs playing in this 48 field, the 48-person field in London this week. What happens to them? Um, you know, they, they are not a professional. And are they, are they hurt long-term? Because, you know, last week, um, as I watched the quarters and – semis and the national championship of the NCAA men's golf. Congratulations for the to the Longhorns. Texas yeah. Longhorns. Yeah, congratulations um, to the Longhorns, by the way. That was a pretty pretty solid performance they put on. It was a lot of fun to watch, for sure. If you've never watched the NCAA golf championship, the team format, when they go from eight to a national champion, it's a lot of fun. If you've never watched it, do yourself a favor. It's, it's match play and no match ends in a tie. They have to go play it off. It's a lot of fun. But there was a young man that was an amateur playing for Arizona State, and word broke that he had he was going to play in the event this week. Um, and so, you know, he's an amateur. Where does where does he fall? He obviously probably had a path to the Corn Ferry Tour, so he made a choice as an amateur. What does that do for once he does choose to turn professional? I think those are interesting topics. I think where we fall, we're super early in the schedule. And so I, you know, I don't think, you know, by the fifth or sixth event, depending on by the time they get to, to Bruce Hart slash Lafayette, that somebody's going for their battlefield promotion. But let's hypothetically say later in the season, somebody is going for a, a battlefield promotion and, um, LIV can, comes and throws a lot yeah, of money out. Can you and now real, real quickly, Danny, can you ahead. explain what the, you mean by battlefield promotion by, for somebody who doesn't know? So on the court ferry tour, um, obviously, you're that is the path to the PJ Tour, and you're trying to get uh, one of 50 cars, either the 25 through the regular season or the 25 through the Corn Ferry Tour finals. But if you were to win three events in one calendar year of the Corn Ferry Tour, you get automatic promotion to the PGA Tour with uh, 
with I believe exempt status for the follow, for the rest of that year and the following year. So and it's been done a handful of times um, to to get to the PGA Tour, but I think that could be an interesting one where all of a sudden what you would see is one of the up and comers, somebody going from the Corn Ferry Tour immediately to the PGA Tour gets a lot of money thrown at them, and and do they do they take it? Do they not take it? You know that's uh that's an, that could be an interesting dynamic to to this depending on how long LIV golf stays around. Um, I do believe we'll see the full year of LIV golf. I believe we'll see at least two years of it. That's my opinion. I have no factual information, but they're, they're going to throw some money at this and they're going to try and hurt. And look, they've got a guy that is the face of it in Greg Norman. And, and Greg Norman has not been happy with the PGA Tour for many, many years. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's going to be interesting to, to see. But I think some of these players also have learned that they're, they're U.S.-based sponsorships and not all us you know us based either i mean dustin johnson and graham mcdowell announced they're gone the next day rbc pulls their sponsorship i think that kind of had a, a lot to do with maybe they weren't supportive of it but also they were making the, the decision they were being sponsored by rbc and they were going to skip the rbc canadian open which is currently happening right now to go play in the first event obviously you're not a very good ambassador or partner if you're going to skip your, your, your sponsors. You know, they have two tournaments, the, the Heritage and the Canadian Open. And so RBC, but you saw the word is Rocket Mortgage has dropped their sponsorship of Bryson DeChambeau. Um, UPS dropped their sponsorship of Lee Westwood. So, and obviously, you know, Phil Mickelson had his, all of his sponsorships or majority of his sponsorships dropped uh, for numerous reasons. And, you know, which again, I thought his attire yesterday was, was very interesting. The Augusta, Augusta National Golf Club pullover. Um, so, look, there's a lot of moving components to this. It's not just the golf. It's you know what happens. How do you, how do people see it besides going to YouTube or you know LIV Golf and you can watch it there? Or you know what happens to the sponsorships? You know there you have heard of no sponsorships, no TV. This is all funded by the the, the Saudis, and it's. It, it's very, very, um, it's intriguing to watch. But what happens when this dies down after a month or two? I mean, this is the first week that it has happened. And, and how many people, what's YouTube going to say in eight weeks when, the you know, another event's happening? Uh, I think there's... And when uh, another event's happening that only 10,000 people are watching instead of 100,000. Right. And, and then look, what, what happens, you know, Augusta National hasn't put their their um, their stance on it yet. The only one that I believe is the U.S. Open, and that's because it's and, next week. So and they made a point long. of saying that this was only for this year. I mean, they was they said they would evaluate it for future years. So you know they they will probably get a chance to all the majors get together. It wouldn't surprise me if maybe they all take their make their own stance or make a unified stance as the four majors and. The Augusta National is very intriguing. You have guys that are playing, you know, Patrick Reed, Dustin Johnson, uh, that have earned lifetime "quote unquote" invitations based on the current rules because they're they're past previous winners. Uh, Charles Schwartzel, who's actually leading um, in round two of uh, the event over in London, it, but it's an invitational. It's ultimately what Augusta or what the Masters is. So. I guess at any point they reserve the right. The Green Jackets can pretty much do what they want to pull any to pull any invitation they want. Yeah, I think that it's people like the Masters and the people who run 
the U.S. Open, the USGA, and the British Open, the uh, the the R&B. I think that it's going to be those people that are going to s- sort of determine the success of this venture because, I mean, let's face it, guys like Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson, Sergio Garcia, uh, Bryson DeChambeau, they want to play in the majors. You know, it, and, you know, it gets to the point – you almost hate to say it because of the lavish amounts of money that are out there, but those tournaments aren't about the money. You know, they're, they're about your standing as far as your, uh, your legacy, your reputation and so forth. I think those people are the ones that are going to eventually determine if this all, how this all shakes out. Well, the same can be said for Ryder cup and, you know, president's cup, obviously president's cup being, you know, closely tied to the PGA tour. That's, you know, they've already made their stance and, I think the Ryder Cup, I'm not 100% sure on the Ryder Cup stance, but, you know, those are also things that, you know, in addition to the majors, you talk about leaving legacy and, and playing for, for your country. Um, there's a lot to, look, it's happened now. These guys have gone. Like, before yesterday, it was all hearsay. You know, these guys hadn't teed it up. They hadn't done it. They had committed, whatever. But now they've done it, you know. And so where do, where do they go from now? And, you know, that's, you know, Jay Monahan said it. He said it was coming. He didn't say what it was going to be. But the minute they basically teed off, Jay Monahan took it, you know, put his stance, you know, in writing and in, in, on paper and said, this is where we stand and you're suspended. So I think a lot will continue to evolve now that it's actually happened. It was all talk until yesterday morning. We will see what happens. Uh, but the world of pro golf will, uh, will change whether it will change short-term, whether it will change long-term, whether it will have effect on all the other aspects, uh, including our own local tournament, uh, the Chittimacha Louisiana Open. Uh, Danny Jones, executive director of said tournament. Danny, we appreciate you being with us this morning and offering up uh, your insight into this program. And uh, we will, of course, uh, be talking to you an awful lot between now and next March when our when our local tournament returns to La Triomphe. Well, we, we look forward to it. Obviously, next March, we're still waiting on our dates. But, Dan, Kevin Foote is not here to defend himself. But RP3 knows this. I mean, how great would it be to get Kevin Foote to play in the Pro-Am and basically do something live about that? He says, I'm full of terrible ideas. But how much fun would it be? I mean, you know, we would get to see if he was grumpy on the golf course as well. Terrible for him, fun for the rest of us. Maybe you can start helping to push that as well. We'll make that happen. We may have to do a like a round robin where <laughs> RP plays a few holes, Kevin plays a few holes, uh, Hannah plays a few holes. She's ready. She's in there warming up right now. So We could absolutely make that happen. Danny, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Y'all have a great weekend. Danny Jones, the executive director of the Chittimacha Louisiana Open. Uh, we will be back to talk Something besides pro golf. We've been sort of dominating that for the first part of the segment. We'll talk about some other things. We hope that you will call in to talk about whatever you'd like to talk about. 337-706-0111 is the hotline. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. (laughs) 
Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes Minus the Foot. Kevin Foot on vacation right now. I'm Dan McDonald filling in for Kevin. And, you know, I wonder sometimes, uh, okay, okay, Hannah, do people still like put footnotes at the end of when they write themes and papers and so forth? Or am I just living in a previous century? Um, some, it depends on the professor and the actual subject itself. Because some of them, they'll say, okay, well, if I don't understand what this is, I need you to write you know, a footnote of what this is. But it just depends on really the subject and the professor, because some do live in the prehistoric. Like me. Yeah. The they prehistoric. Live, yeah. yeah. That's okay. That's okay. I'll <laughs> take it. the older generation of how they write and That's what okay. they That's okay. I'll take it. Hey, this to me, this, uh, this phone to me was like a major step into the century, you know, and so forth. Oh, yeah. I, I remember when my, my, uh, my grandfather, I went from his foot phone and I went to give him my iPhone. He goes, what do I do with this? Probably, you just got to press the buttons. <laughs> don't, don't, don't get me talking about rotary phones. Now. Oh, no. <laughs> just a reminder that the Game Clubhouse at 103.7thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes. I mean, excellent prizes. A $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. Ooh, boy, is that place good. Uh, we want to help you take your lady out for some delicious seafood, but you can only do that, and you can only do that and win that $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House by joining the Game Clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com, and all kinds of freebies there for you. Since we've been talking money, which has been the driving force behind all of professional golf right now, um, I'd like to hear what you have to say about not just that subject, but any subject. Uh, you can call the game hotline right now at 337-706-0111, 706-0111. And speaking of money, did any of you see uh, that LeBron James, who was uh, recently declared a billionaire by Forbes magazine, uh, he wants to own an NBA team when he's finished playing, and he also now has said where he wants to own this team. He wants to have the franchise in Las Vegas, which is, of course, now becoming our budding sports mecca. Uh, he he said uh, that he wants – not only does he want a team in Vegas, he wants the team in Vegas. Now, LeBron is already a part owner of uh, the Liverpool uh, football club team uh, in the uh, Premier League. And he also owns part of the Boston Red Sox. A lot of people may not know that, but his goal is to own an NBA franchise. And, you know, he's got the, he's got that net worth of a billion dollars. He can probably do it. I don't think a lot of people realize um, that LeBron is in his – next fall, uh, he's going to start his 20th NBA season. He has been around for 20 years I mean, he is he is just 37 because he started playing right out of high school. He started playing professionally, uh, but he'll be in his 20th year. So you know his, um, you know, I guess you know you 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 uh, you've earned that right. You've earned the chance to do this, uh, and you have the financial resources. The most recent NBA team that actually went on the market was last year when the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, I mean, not a 
not one of the higher ranked teams as far as financially, but they still they are an NBA franchise, and they were sold for one point five billion. So, you know, LeBron could almost pull out his wallet and match that. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see there. But um, you know, he's um, you know he uh, that would of course also require that the uh, NBA expand. I mean, they don't have it for a franchise in Las Vegas, uh, but. But that can happen. Uh, the commissioner, Adam Silver, said there are no current plans for expansion, and they w- are not discussing that at this time. But, you know, just like we've been talking pro golf all this hour, that things can change. Things can change in a hurry. And, you know, that can uh, that could very easily uh, become something. But, uh, you know, having a former player like LeBron James, you know, so- sometimes former players being involved in – ownership of franchise sometimes it's worked uh you know sometimes it hasn't uh i i was interested in the fact that you know the uh the denver broncos in the nfl want peyton manning to become back a part of their uh of their organization and i'm sure that will be part of that will become him some kind of equity that he'll have in the franchise in order to have him be a part of that but you know, some, sometimes it's worked, sometimes it hasn't. Um, the greatest player in NBA history, Michael Jordan, you know, had his his ownership and still does, uh, but his uh, his franchise has not been able to to really break through and become a a part of the NBA elite as the uh, program and the team that he played for. Obviously, the uh, Chicago Bulls they were the NBA elite when he was playing. It's a little bit different when you have to be the uh, the owner and the uh, what, whatever position you have to be in, and when you were a player, uh, you, you're a player, you could control things a lot more. When you're an owner, you maybe don't you have quite as much control of that. We're going to wrap up hour number one here on Footnotes without Kevin Foot. We'll be back with another hour. In the second hour, we're going to talk some NCAA baseball. The NCAA baseball super regionals getting started. Just about an hour from now, and uh, at part of our segment, we're going to have Anthony Babineau, Cajun assistant baseball coach, come on to talk about that. But that will be when we return. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes, and if you were hoping to hear Kevin Foote, you're going to have to wait about a week because he, Kevin, is on vacation and enjoying himself, I'm sure, right now. Although I keep referring to the clock, he's enjoying himself. It's just after 6 a.m., you know, where he is in the uh, far north in Alaska, so on a cruise. So hope he's enjoying himself and hope he's disconnecting and hope he doesn't have that Astros podcast on running all the time or else Michelle will absolutely shoot him. You're listening to the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana's sports station and a reminder that today is the day that you're going to sign up for the game clubhouse. You need to do that because not only is it free to join, but you'll get a chance to enter to win tremendous free gifts like listen to this one. A $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse. Now, if you've never been to Mr. Lester's down at Cypress Bayou Casino, uh, go. Uh, go. 
because it is uh, an absolutely amazing dining culinary experience. Mouth-watering steaks, grilled to perfection, tremendous sides, so much more. You can only score that gift certificate, $150 worth of gift certificate, to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. So go sign up today. I'm Dan McDonald sitting in for Kevin Foote today, but uh, – I know you don't want to hear my opinions. I would much rather hear your opinions. You can call in on the game hotline right now at 337-706-0111. Whatever topic you choose, you get to name the topic. Later on, we are going to talk some NCAA baseball in in just a few minutes. Uh, Louisiana Raging Cajun uh, longtime assistant coach and now director of baseball operations, Anthony Babineau, is going to – join us to talk about the Super Regionals. The Cajuns, of course, came up just short of making that step to the Super Regionals when they participated in the regional round at College Station last weekend. And so we'll get to talk to him, get his opinions on who uh, who might come out of all of these eight Super Regionals and make the the final step toward Omaha. He He and the Cajun program, of course, were part of the team in 2000 that didn't make that final step as Louisiana made that trek to Omaha and its appearance uh, at college baseball's Mecca. Those Super Regionals getting underway in less than an hour from now, the very first one that is getting underway, Notre Dame will be at Tennessee. That will begin. uh, No, that's not the first regional. The first regional is actually the Greenville Regional where Number nine seeded Texas will take on number eight seeded East Carolina. Both teams 45 and 19 this year. That one gets underway at 11 a.m. our time. So just after we get off the air, you'll be able to catch all that action on ESPN2. All of the Super Regionals will air on one of the ESPN family uh, stations. So um, we will be talking about that more. And another event, of course, uh, last night that was part of one of those ESPN broadcasts and in his in and related subject. And of course it's a subject that people around here do follow because the raging Cajuns have such a solid softball program. One of the nationally ranked programs, the, the, uh, the championship round of the women's college world series was completed last night. And of course, Oklahoma, if you were, following along or if you weren't following along they won two in a row over unseeded texas in order to claim what i believe is their sixth national championship and uh did it in very impressive fashion final score last night 10 to 2 uh to win it for the uh the sixth time in their program and you know they are an impressive uh Impressive team to watch. Uh, in fact, Oklahoma softball team might be the most dominant college team that's out there right now in any sport. I mean, the way they, they dominated their competition this year, I believe they finished whatever and two. It might have been 56 and two, 58 and two, whatever uh, it was. They were uh, They were just dominant in their program this year but we'll if you want to talk about that you can obviously do that if you want to talk about anything else 
Tommy T's on the hotline, on the game hotline, 337-706-0111. Tommy, welcome to the show. Hey, Dan. Enjoying the show this morning. Uh, I thought, uh, we, the Saints did a 180 and got a, a number one receiver and a top dra- uh, traded up for one. And uh, uh, we got another receiver off the board and uh, on the uh, from uh, a signing with uh, with the guy from uh, Cleveland. And did is Michael Thomas Church? Is he done? Uh, you know, Dennis Allen was talking about that earlier uh, yesterday. Uh, he had a. A, he had some media uh, clips yesterday that uh, I don't know if we'll have a chance to maybe play some of those, but uh, he was talking about uh, uh, Michael Thomas. In fact, if uh, Tom, if you can hold on for a second, maybe we can play that clip uh, when he talks about what he thought about Michael Thomas. He is still very much, uh, Dennis Allen, still very much hoping uh, that uh, and he believes that Michael Thomas is still going to come back and be the number one type receiver that he has been during that, that especially that amazing first year that he had with the Saints. Yeah, I'm yeah, good with, I, with Mike Thomas. Yeah, is. I, I would much rather him be 100% healthy and out here and all those kinds of things, but that's not where we're at right now. He is busting his tail to get himself ready to go, and I feel like he's making significant progress. I think mentally he's in a great place. And, you know, again, we're just going to let that process play out and get him healthy. And, look, we have we have a long time to go before we play a game. And so, you know, again, I'll get back to that huge jump thing. I'm not looking for a huge jump. I just want to see him keep getting a little bit better every day. That was Dennis okay. Allen, what he said. Uh, Tommy, what do you think? I, I, I mean, there's nobody more than wants Michael Thomas back than me. I mean, he – I mean, he was our ace, and, and well, with Drew Brees as the quarterback, I think Jameis is, is going to be good. He's going to be all right. And I was just concerned, you know, Peyton would I, – I, and, and, and what's your thoughts on – was Peyton going to take a number one receiver after three or four years and not even looking at one like uh, Dennis Allen did? I know we did a 180 and did that. Uh, I, I always wanted to ask Kevin that and, and to see if uh, you think – Peyton would have chose that number one receiver instead of going lineman like he usually does or something like that. Well, really good question. You know, I th- think part of it was that, uh, you know, uh, Sean Peyton wanted to do, he wanted to do two things. I think he wanted to protect Drew Brees at all costs. Uh, and he, he did that with a, put together an offensive line that was one of the best in the NFL when they were healthy. Uh, and I think he wanted to do, uh, you know, stabilize the front wall defensively and so forth. Now, would they have taken uh, the wide receiver from Ohio State if, if he had been around Olave? I mean, I, we we don't know that. But myself personally, I thought that was a great pick because I, I saw this guy and I happened to see him. Maybe I saw him on some of his very good, you know, college games and so forth. Um, but, you know, he was a guy that, you know, played on a high level, for a high-level team and a high-level conference for a long time. And uh, one of the more important things, and, you know, we've seen what can happen with Michael Thomas, he stayed healthy. You know, he had his three years there, um, you know, for the most part. Uh, they played, obviously, the limited season in 2020. They only played seven games within the COVID season. He had 50 catches that year. This past year, he had 65 catches. The previous year, he had 49 catches. That's pretty consistent. 
Uh, he had 32 touchdowns in those three years combined. That's consistency. And I think that's, you know, whether you, you know, whether you believe it or not, you know, injuries are part of this. And we've seen it with Michael Thomas. This is a guy that, you know, I'm sure they're hoping. And from his background, you think that he's going to stay healthy. And, you know, and if he does that, I think he can be a huge asset to this team. I don't think you can have too many good receivers. Oh, great. Well, good talking to you, Dan, and keep up the good work. We're loving the show. I appreciate it so much. 706-0111 is the game hotline. We're getting in some Saints this morning, but we are going to talk some NCAA baseball when we do come back, and we're going to have uh, Anthony Babineau from the uh, Raging Cajun baseball staff with us, but those those baseball events getting underway today. In fact, four of the Super Regionals do start today. Um, in addition to the Texas East Carolina Super Regional that starts in less than an hour, um, Notre Dame plays Tennessee. Uh, that's a that'll be a five o'clock start our time. That'll be on ESPN two from Tennessee. Uh, Louisville will be at Texas A&M. That's a number 12 against a number five matchup. That will be the late game. It will start at 7.30 our time, and that will be on ESPNU. And one that sort of intrigues me, uh, and I'm sure that Coach Babineau will talk about it when we do have him on, is the, the Super Regional in Blacksburg that involves Virginia Tech, where Oklahoma will be traveling, Oklahoma unseated, traveling to face number four-seeded Virginia Tech, and that's at 2 o'clock today on ESPN2. Virginia Tech is coached by former Cajun assistant John Sheff, who has uh, went on from here and has had some success in his coaching realm uh, in Kansas first and came to Maryland and took a dormant program and has put them on the college baseball map. And now he has Virginia Tech as one of the top programs in the country, and they'll be trying to advance to the uh, World Series through the two out of three Super Regionals going on this weekend. We'll talk more about college baseball when we come back, and we'll try to get Coach Babineau on the line. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. June 10th, 1974, in a 12-0 win over Houston, Philadelphia slugger Mike Schmidt hits a public address speaker atop the Astrodome. Instead of a three-run home run, the ball drops onto the turf for a single. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, or just Notes Today. I'm Dan McDonald, sitting in for Kevin Foote today on 1037 The Game, Lafayette, and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You can also watch us on the simulcast at Stadium 32.3 and on 133LUS Fiber. And if you watched us early on the simulcast and then watched us watching us now, you see I got a little bit taller uh, since we started, I did figure out the chair and how to make it 
rise up. They didn't tell me this when I walked in the studio. Finally figured it out. Hannah did everything else. She's got everything else going in there. She just forgot to tell me about the chair. So uh, just a reminder that Trail is putting on a free all-day event Saturday, June 18th. That's at Cafe 20.3, located at 1500 General Mouton. In addition to free paddling, there will also be a party featuring live music to help out the Mile Zero Heroes raising awareness and funds to build the new Teat Fair Park and boat launch out at Mile Zero on the Vermilion River. Donations and sponsorships are welcome, and Trail will be matching up to $20,000 in donations. So for more for more information there, you can go online and visit www.latrail.org and get involved there. We're talking some college baseball, and of course, the NCAA Super Regional Baseball Tournament's just about to get underway in about about 40 minutes from now, our first first pitch of the eight Super Regionals, and very happy to have on the line with us a uh, longtime Raging Cajun assistant coach and now director of the baseball operations, Anthony Babineau. Coach Bab, glad to have you on with us this morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Dan. Thanks for having me this morning. Great to be on and, and talking baseball for sure. Exciting time with the Super Regionals starting today and obviously lots of close relationships with a lot of these coaches that are that are still playing, so it's going to be fun to watch. Let me ask you first about the Super Regionals. And I know committees, um, you know, we all watch when the basketball selections are made. We all watch when the baseball, softball selections are made by the NCAA committees. And now we watch the uh, when the college football playoffs are done. And there's always a lot of talk about, you know, the teams that get left out, that the, the, the committee didn't get it right this time. Well, right now – um, you've got of the 12 top seeds from the original announcement, 10 of them are still alive, and obviously eight of them are hosting. So it's 10 out of 12. The top five are still all in action. Um, I think this year, for the most part, the committee pretty much got it right. Well, I, I agree with you, and they usually do. You know, a lot of there's a lot of research, extensive research that goes into – these selections and the seedings that they give these teams, and usually they hit it pretty good. There's always, obviously, upsets that are going to happen, not just in our sport, but in any sport. I mean, none more fun to watch than the 12-5 upset in the basketball tournament, right? seems like it happens. It seems like it's happening more and more every year. And it makes it but, fun. Well, it does. It does. And... and Along with that, there's always a team or three that feels as if they should have been in, but they weren't. And not that I disagree with their feelings, but the the bottom line is there's only 64 slots. And every year, someone is going to left out that either feels deserving or, quite frankly, is deserving. But that's just the nature of the beast. That's how it it has to happen, and you just have to kind of go with it. You just have to kind of go with it. Uh, you don't have to agree with it, but you have to accept it because it's not like once they announce that bracket, they don't go back and say, oh, I think we made a mistake. Let's take this team out and put this one in. But I agree with you. I think they got it pretty darn close this year as evidenced by the teams that have moved on. I think a great example of that is uh... – 
is Ole Miss. They were listed as the last team, basically, to get into the field and were able to win their regional, and they're playing just about uh, about three hours up the road. They'll be playing at Hattiesburg, Mississippi, against a Southern Miss team that's ranked number 11 and is every bit as good as that ranking, as anybody who follows college baseball knows. Uh, that's one I'm sort of looking at because of there, there are an awful lot of storylines going on in that regional. Well, there really is. I mean, two schools from the same state that play a high, high level of baseball, Southern Miss, you know, hosting a super regional for the first time ever, I believe. And having played there a number of times, I know the atmosphere that's created there. Those guys are very, very good in their home park. So, yeah, that's definitely going to be interesting to watch uh, amongst some others. Uh, I'm sure you're going to mention the Virginia Tech Regional with Coach John Sheff, who used to coach here. Going to keep a close eye on that one as well. John and I texted this morning back and forth a little bit, wishing him best of luck, and um, he's excited about their opportunity. Obviously very excited about their team, so going to be watching that one closely as well. Yeah, that regional, that super regional actually starts today, uh, 2 o'clock our time uh, when Oklahoma comes in to play Virginia Tech. The Hattiesburg Super Regional uh, doesn't start until Saturday. That'll be a 3 o'clock game on Saturday. Um, Coach, uh, the, the the top five seeds all made it all the way through their regionals, although some of them had some of them had to just barely sneak by. Uh, one of them was number two, Stanford, and they were obviously uh, that was the uh, the regional that the uh, Sun Belt regular season champion Texas State was sent out to Stanford, and and I don't know how many people outside of people who are knowledgeable about the Sun Belt and people who really know college baseball gave, you know, thought that that was just, you know, that's just somebody sent out there because of, um, you know, they just had to, you know, they, they had to have a number two team there. So, well, why not send Texas state? I don't know if they realized how good a team that Texas state really was. And I think they really, they probably turned some heads. Well, they no doubt did. And you're exactly correct. Correct. Nobody outside of, fans that follow the Sun Belt and some of the national writers who follow baseball across the country really knew how good Texas State was this past season. It was a tremendous team, an old group that had been together for a while, and they were good. They were a very, very good baseball team. It didn't surprise me one bit that they were able to go through that regional the way that they did and even – carry that two-run lead into the ninth. It didn't surprise me at all. I expected that to happen just from knowing that club, playing them four times this season, knowing what they're made of, knowing what they're capable of. It was just heartbreaking for me to see the way they lost that game in the bottom of the ninth. was really pulling for Coach Trout and his group to get to the Super Regional round, especially a team from our league. So glad that Southern Miss was able to do that, a team that's coming into our league next season. You know, we talked about teams that didn't make it into the tournament. Old Dominion, who's coming into the league, was one of the first two or three teams left out. So they were almost in, which would have given the Sun Belt six teams when you include those two, Southern Miss and and Old Dominion, that would have been in the tournament. So that would have been a a really great thing. But really no surprise, as you mentioned, to, to me and you or people of 
fans of the Sun Belt with what Texas State was able to do. I'll be honest. I was just crushed watching the ninth inning of that game when uh, when Texas State took the two-run lead over Stanford, and then Stanford came back, as, as good teams will do. And there's no question they're they're seated number two nationally for a reason. But you know, I was already one of the ones. Um, you know, I was looking ahead, and I'll, I'll I'll be very honest. I was looking ahead, seeing that they were going to play UConn in the super regional. Had they been able to survive that last inning, they were going to be hosting a team. Texas State plays so well in their own ballpark, and I don't want to take anything away from UConn. I mean, they're they're in the super regional for a reason, but. I don't think that they were as good as Texas State. I think Texas State had a path to Omaha. Well, they certainly did. Like you mentioned, playing that Super Regional in San Marcos at their stadium, which you mentioned they're so good at, that this team that they had this year, very tailored for the ballpark that they play in. And you're right, no guarantees because UConn, as you mentioned, is there for a reason, but really would have loved their chances to advance to the College World Series playing the Super Regional at home. You know, you can go back through the Super Regional era starting back in 1999 when it first started and just look at the statistics of who moves on to Omaha from the Super Regionals and an overwhelming majority of those teams are the ones that host and play in their own ballpark. So there's there's a lot to be said for it and definitely would have liked the Bobcats' chances had they been able to host that Super Regional. Oh, yeah, the numbers are pretty pretty amazing. It's like a, something like 81% of the teams that host regionals will advance. Almost 90% of the teams that host Super Regionals advance. Uh, it's, it's a huge advantage. And uh, I'm I, I'm going to break another rule again if, and hope Hannah doesn't you know come in here and uh, twist my arm and so forth. Coach, if you have just a few minutes, if you can stick with us to the other side of the commercial break, there are a couple other regionals that I'd just like to ask you real quickly about if you can hold on with us for just a few minutes. Absolutely. We'll be back. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It's not uncommon here on Footnotes for Kevin Foote's voice and his blood pressure to rise rapidly during the show. The fat guys like you and me need to be watching mop-up time just like the stars do. Sometimes it rises a little too high. That is stupid. Stupid. Not to worry. We have EMT standing by just in case Foot passes out. Back to more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You know, what's that guy going to do when he's on a boat for seven days and he is in a confined space and, you know, who knows what can happen? We're going to have to get some like very detailed reports when Kevin Foot oh, yeah. returns. I'm going to need full detail reports. Like I, I'm assuming someone at some point is going to see like the foot that we see and go like, uh, is he okay? Like the, really okay? The the only saving grace will be the buffet. Oh yeah, <laughs> that, that is the same. He can spend hours there and. You know, maybe he'll be he'll become the old fat guy and won't care about everything else. Oh yeah, as soon as he goes to the buffet, like if he gets angry, Michelle's like, "Hey, hey, the buffet's open right now. Yeah. Go, go, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, sweetheart, <laughs> go." I'm Dan McDonald, sitting in for Kevin Foot on the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's 
Sports Station. You can also watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3, and on 133 on LUS Fiber. And still very happy to have longtime Raging Cajun baseball assistant Anthony Babineau, now director of the baseball operations there. And uh, Coach Bab, I realized in the break that I've been very negligent in offering congratulations for the uh, the way that the uh, the Cajun program performed at the end of the regular season, going into the conference tournament, and obviously winning the conference tournament title, and and putting on a pretty good show at the the uh, the super regional that was hosted by Texas A and M, or the regional that was hosted by Texas A and M in College Stations. Uh, you and all your guys, the staff, and all the players deserve a lot of credit and a lot of congratulations for that. Well, thank you so much. You know, it was a good year. Obviously, we would have wanted to go a little bit further, uh, and we will make it a little further. We will make it a lot further, you know, is is our feeling and, and, and our goals. But it was really great. This team did a tremendous job of getting us back to a regional, getting us back in the national spotlight of college baseball. You know, it had been a few years where we had been left out of that conversation and something that we definitely are not used to here in, in Cajun country and, and with this program. So it was great for those guys to get us back there. A tremendous job that they did all year, especially the second half of the season where really the entire second half of the year was a game seven scenario for us where we were trying everything we could to position ourselves to be able to possibly get an at-large bid. And for a while there, we were, we were in that conversation and we were doing a great job of, of putting ourselves in that position that went away after the Texas state weekend. And these guys could have really just folded and said, well, we, we lost our shot and kind of turned things into a spiral, so to speak. But what they did is they said, okay, we won't be able to get in as an at-large now, so how's the other way to get in? Well, it's to win the conference tournament. And lo and behold, those guys did that. We were in Montgomery for seven days, two days we were supposed to play. We didn't because of the weather. They stayed together. We did a few things as a group. And when it was time to play baseball, these guys showed up and and really put on a show, you know, from the, the opening game against South Alabama, really just a, a methodical beatdown from the first inning to the last. And then the tremendous game, the outstanding pitching performance by Jake, Jacob Schultz, the offensive display by Tyler Robinson with the two home runs that accounted for all, all three of our runs to get that game to put us in the championship and just a really a tremendous job in that championship game with what guys were able to do in that game. So, and then they carried that over into the regional with that opening round win against TCU, carried a two run lead against A&M in the money game in the seventh, unfortunately weren't able to hold on, but just a really good showing. Uh, I think we, we earned a lot of people's respect. As we mentioned earlier, people that don't follow the Sun Belt or, or don't, you know, just follow kind of their teams and their conference earn the respect of a lot of people. I know we earned the respect of the A&M crowd that was there and everybody that was there that weekend. So just a tremendous job by, by the group from the staff, the players, the coaches, just a tremendous job by all. 
lest anybody forget what this team did over the last two weekends was number one, they beat a team that ended up being a number two seed at Stanford and by all rights should probably be still playing in the Super Regional round this week. They then beat the number 16 national seed in Georgia Southern, a team that ended up hosting a regional, and then defeated the Big 12 champions uh, in the uh, in the regional round. So uh, this is a, it's a team that did a lot of good things at the end of the year, and uh, we, of course, hoping that there will be a lot more good things in the very near future. But right now, uh, Coach Babb, I want to ask you about some of these other Super Regionals. We mentioned uh, the regional, of course, where Virginia Tech is hosting Oklahoma, and we mentioned that Mississippi Regional in Hattiesburg where Southern Miss hosts Ole Miss. Um, the um, the one that, that I'm sort of looking at is um, the uh, – because I got a chance to see a lot of the Arkansas-Oklahoma State uh, matchups that they played during that regional. And that was about the most entertaining college baseball that that I've seen in an awful long time. I'm not saying the best because there were some <laughs> there were some things that happened during that time that you have to sh- kind of shake your head about. But just for the pure drama of it, I don't know how much if you got a chance to see or hear what happened with Arkansas and Oklahoma State all during that whole series. But it it was it was must watch college baseball. Well, it surely was, and those were two teams that you talk about a heavyweight fight. I mean, it was blow after blow after blow, getting off the mat, responding. It was it was very entertaining, as you imagine, as as you mentioned, you know. And Arkansas was able to to hang on and get it done, and um, you know, going to play North Carolina in the Super Regional in Chapel Hill. And that's going to be that should be entertaining as well. You know, North Carolina year in year out has a great team. They have for a long time. Uh, it should be fun to watch. You know, the thing about these super regionals, it does it. You can pick any one of them really, and with the exception of obviously Tennessee, all year long has really been on a, a different level than every other team in the country. But when you get to this point. And, and I can say this because it's been proven, because I was a part of it. In 2000, South Carolina was much like Tennessee, where they were on a different level than anyone else. You know, 56-5 and five going into the Super Regional. And it just takes one weekend. You, it's, you have to be better than that opponent for one weekend. And we were able to do that in 2000. And who knows, that may happen that may happen this year. You know, Tennessee, obviously the favorite, the heavy favorite, but there's nothing to say that their opponent can go in there, Notre Dame can go in there and, and get it done over the course of a three-game series. So all of these super regional matchups I expect will be very good. You're going to see some great arms. You're going to see some power bats. And it should be fun to watch. I love that you mentioned the 2000 Super Regional because, you know, I think back on that as one of the great college experiences I've had in, in being there and being on hand for that. And, you know, it was just a, the situation that South Carolina had never seen Andy Grove pitch. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, no, we, they, um, you know, they don't see very many change-up guys in the, in the SEC. It's, it's power guys with – power fastballs, power sliders, and there's some change-ups, obviously, but it's more of a power-arm league, and 
Yeah, I can remember. I can remember everything about that weekend, to be honest with you. But but specifically when Andy was pitching against those guys, and it's as if they were swinging. They were swinging three times, well, four times, four times per at bat. You know, the three that they would swing through on the change-ups and then the one swing against the bat rack in the dugout when they'd get back <laughs> in the dugout. Uh, you know, they, he just frustrated them to no end. And, and thank goodness we had him because we needed every bit of it. One more question on Tennessee. Um, I was watching a, one of the uh, television shows a couple of nights ago was talking about Tennessee and how they fit in college baseball all the time and saying that, you know, one one of the pundits was of the opinion this was the best college baseball team ever. Now, I don't know if I agree with that until you win it, and it's awful hard to win. A lot of times it's what makes baseball – frustrating and makes it great at the same time is that the best team doesn't always win but you know how do you when you look at that Tennessee team uh, you know where do you sort of slot them as far as um, what they not just this year but how they sort of rank as far as what they've been able to put together this season well I think you definitely have to put them in the conversation of one of the best college baseball teams ever and you know, you mentioned there's been a lot of great ones, but what they have been able to do when you talk about leading the NCAA in offense, when you talk about leading the NCAA in pitching, I mean, there's definitely arguments for that. But there's, I don't know how you quantify who the best one was ever, all time. I mean, obviously, you know, those older Mississippi State teams are that one team where they had. Um, Will Clark, Rafael Palmero, Jeff Brantley on the same team. I mean, I would, I think everybody puts that team as one of the best in history. Obviously, this Tennessee team, the South Carolina team that we talked about. I mean, arguably, arguably, and you're right. You don't have to make it all. You don't have to win the national championship. Heck, you don't even have to make it to Omaha to be in that conversation. I think you could put our 2014 team with 58 wins, too shy of the record for wins, I believe, in the modern-day modern area. I believe Florida State had 60, too shy of that. An offense that led the country in many categories, you could put that team in the conversation. Uh, but doing what Tennessee has been very entertaining, for sure. Uh, that's, that's to say the least. With what they have done offensively with uh, close to 150, maybe 150 home runs. I think anybody's come close to that, to the old gorilla ball days of LSU that year that they hit 188, but that was with the minus five bats, with hotter bats. You have a guy that on the back end of the game that can throw 105 miles an hour. Nobody in the big leagues is doing that. So it's just crazy what they've been able to do and put together there in Knoxville for for this season. And, you know, it's, it's things, they all come together, you know, and I'm sure just like with our team in 2014, with the Omaha team in 2000, there's things that come together to make that team what it is. Usually it's a guy maybe the year before was injured, so he had to redshirt, and then he's back for this team, which maybe he wouldn't have been back. Or someone who just wasn't ready and they redshirted and, and, or, a, or an important transfer or somebody that came in, things usually happen and, and all the stars line up for you to be able to have a season like that. 
Coach Babb, we really appreciate you joining us, taking the time to talk about not only the Cajuns, but the uh, upcoming Super Regionals. We appreciate it so much. All right. Thank you for having me, Dan. I really appreciate it. Have a great rest of the day. Thank you. Anthony Babineau, longtime Cajun assistant coach, director of baseball operations for the Raging Cajuns. We'll be back with more when we return on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Do your loved ones run for cover when watching a game with you? Then Footnotes is the show for you. Time for more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. I could enjoy just listening to the bumper music all day. (laughs) Welcome back to Footnotes, minus Kevin Foote, who is out for the I guess starting yesterday, today, and he will be gone all next week. Well, he will be on vacation in the uh, somewhere off the coast of Alaska. We'll get the full story, I'm sure, when he gets back the following week. George Faust will be sitting in here all of next week to cover for Kevin, which I guess that will make it Faust notes instead of footnotes. But, um, you can listen to George all next week uh, here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. You can also watch us on the simulcast on Stadium. It's 32.3 and on Channel 133 on the LUS Fiber. I'm Dan McDonald sitting in today for Kevin Foote and just wanted to remind everyone that as uh, as RP3 had some guests on earlier on his show from uh, Next Home Cutting Edge Realty, because they're holding their annual loop day this Saturday from 9 a.m. until 1 p.m. And that event benefits Canine Companions, which is a nonprofit group that gives to those who, uh, with disabilities, it uh, provides uh, rescue dogs and assistance dogs and so forth um, and raising money to make all of those dreams possible. The event will be held at the... Uh, Bollier uh, Park Dog Park that's over on Bluebird Drive in Lafayette, sort of behind Lord's Hospital, just uh, off of Ambassador Caffrey. They'll have a food truck, snow cone stands. They're going to have music, treats, prizes. It's open to all two-leggers and four-leggers, and all proceeds will be donated to Canine Companions. That's the next home Cutting Edge Realties Loop Day, and that is this Saturday, 9 a.m. until 1 p.m. The game hotline still open for these last few minutes, 337-706-0111 if you do want to get in on this last segment. But if you do want to get in, you better hurry because we've only got about five or six minutes left in the show before we'll be turning it over. And we mentioned earlier um, the uh, conclusion last night of the Women's College World Series. And, of course, softball is uh, of importance around here in the Acadiana area with the uh, nationally known program that uh louisiana's raging cajuns have and lsu's tigers have and and uh can't forget the, the cowgirls of mcneese who also got into the ncaa tournament this year but uh, it was an impressive performance by oklahoma during the world series and it, it, it's kind of ironic because we were just talking to uh 
Cajun baseball longtime coach Anthony Babineau about greatest teams in college baseball history and how Tennessee now ranks in that. You've got to start looking at Oklahoma right now as far as college softball because of what they did this year and what they did last year. And now that they have won, oh, what is it? Is it, um, you know, it's like four championships in the last seven years, something like that. It's a lot, whatever the exact number is. Uh, but, but this year in particular, uh, Oklahoma ended up uh, defeating Texas in two straight games, one last night, I believe. The final was 10-5. to five. It was not that close. Um, they ended up with 59 wins. And you, know, and you can do that uh, when you have not only do you have the best batting average in all of college softball, you also have the best ERA from your pitching staff in all of college softball. So when you can dominate both ends like that um, – It's pretty impressive, but if you look at just what Oklahoma did in the World Series just in that week or a little bit over a week, they set um, they had 17 home runs and scored 64 runs during the World Series. You know they only lost three games uh, all year during the regular season, and if you look at what they did, you know. It's almost like the those those few little losses that they did have. It's almost like it made them mad because they won their three next games out after those three losses. They won them all by run rule, and they beat their opponents thirty nine to nothing uh, in those three games. So, you know, it was it was an impressive performance by Oklahoma. They uh, they blew out Texas in game one. That was sixteen to one. And then last night, Texas looked like they were in control until about the third inning. And then all of a sudden, Oklahoma's bats woke up. And um, you turn around, you you walk down the hall, and you come back to the TV screen, and Oklahoma's ahead 10-2. to two. It ended up being a 10-5 to five game when Texas scored three runs in the the last inning. But, um, you know, is this, the, uh, this is right now the standard of excellence uh, in college softball and something that the uh, – you know, that is uh, something that is obviously that uh, Louisiana's program, LSU's program, all the programs around, they're attempting to try to get to the point that Oklahoma is at. And, it, and they have one now, just checked, four championships out of the last six. So the word dynasty is not thrown around uh, in in jest there. They are actually, you know, if they're not the best, you know, you can count the best on one hand, and they're probably one of them. And it's not just because of Jocelyn Alo who, you know, right now is the best hitter, you know, might be the best hitter in, in any of the diamond sports um, with with what she's been able to do. But you look at what they also have. Um, you know, th- they go up and down the lineup. They had six players this year with 13 or more home runs. Uh, Tierra Jennings, I mean, Alo had 34 home runs. Tierra Jennings had 29. She would be, you know, th- people would be, just talking about her in raving terms, um, had she, you know, had she been playing on any other team besides Oklahoma? But you look at what they've been able to do. Uh, you know, they will they'll be the favorites going ahead, and Cajuns might get a chance to see them up close because they'll all be in the Clearwater tournament later on this year. 
want to thank everybody for being along with us here today as i sitting in for Kevin Foote. I've enjoyed it severely. Enjoyed it a lot. Thanks to Hannah for keeping everything straight for me. Uh, you've been listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. <laughs>